Welcome to today's TLC. Whether you found this podcast on my website, through the emails I send, or simply from a friend, I'm glad that you've decided to add some TLC today. Hey friends, today I am laughing at myself a little because I was watching a new young mom and just how careful she was. She was so cute and careful with her first little son and I was remembering my first little child and how careful I was about every little thing their routine, how they ate. I wouldn't miss nap time for the world because I was so worried about their sleep schedule. I was so careful about every little thing to the point where when I went out of town for the first time, I literally created what I called the kid manual for my sister-in-law to watch my child. And I typed up a beautiful spreadsheet about what he eats and when he eats it and what type of foods his body likes better than others and be careful because this one will give him a rash and all of the details about his schedule and oh, if he has a hard time sleeping, you can do this and all the tips and tricks that, you know, I had been so knowledgeable about as a first-time mother. I gave this kid manual to my sister-in-law who had already raised multiple children of her own. And she was very kind to indulge me and listen to this manual. But guess what she did with that manual? She let it sit on her counter the most of the time she was watching my child. And I have to tell you, I was a little offended because I knew the way that she was supposed to parent my child. I needed her to do it that way so that I could feel safe leaving my child with her. This was the narrative in my head. And it makes sense that that was what I was thinking. Because most of us have been taught over our lives subtle messages about how other people need to show up a certain way so that we can feel okay. For example, we often hear when we're young, don't say that, you're going to hurt their feelings. Or when we do something unkind, a grown-up says to us, you really hurt my feelings. These well-intended messages are trying to teach that we need to be kind to other people. And that's important. But it also has this hidden message in there that isn't useful. The message that your feelings come from what other people do. If they can hurt your feelings, then they should be kind so that we can feel okay. Unfortunately, we internalize this message and then we spend so much of our lives trying to change what other people are doing so we can feel better. And each new relationship that we add to our book of life, we add another page in our manual of how the world should be. We have a section of what a good friend looks like and a section on how people should show up at church. I have a large section of what our husband should be doing so that we feel loved and supported. And then we take all of those expectations and mirror them on ourselves, thinking that we need to also be everything to everybody else so that they can feel okay too. Now, if you listened to last week's podcast, I talked about what it means to be an emotional adult. And this is part two of that conversation. So you might want to listen to that one first, because what it's building on is what happens when we practice being in emotional childhood. We start creating that manual and trying to hand it to everyone around us so that we can feel better, just like I handed this kid manual to my sister-in-law. But here's the problem. People don't follow your manual. And truth be told, even if they try, they can't follow every piece of your manual. 
because they don't know what's in your head and what you're wanting to feel better and what you're needing in that moment. You do. You're in your head. You know what you want. You know what you need. So who better to actually fill those wants and those needs than you? But we don't. We hand it to other people and expect them to do it, especially when we're in a marital relationship. I remember when I first got married, having this image of my head of what the perfect marriage was going to look like. And I had pretty hopeful expectations that the man I had chosen to marry was going to fill that role in my life. But guess what? There were pieces of that manual that he did not follow. And some of them drove me crazy. Even the simplest things, like he'd always turn off the lights every time he was done with a room, whether I was in it or not. He just didn't ever like lights on. And I could be in the middle of reading a book or planning on walking back in a room and all of the light switches, lamps, whatever, he just turned them all off. Drove me crazy. It's actually taken a lot of years of marriage for us to resolve that issue. But we'll talk about that another time. Or another simple one that I remember is that he would not close the drawers. He would open up the drawers to get something out and then he'd leave them open. And it wasn't like he'd leave them wide open. It would be almost closed except for like an inch. I honestly feel like it was a skill how he's able to push it in most of the way, but leave it open just enough to drive me crazy. And those were just the simple parts of the manual. What about the times where he said he was going to be home at a certain time and I had dinner already and then he didn't show up until a half hour later and I'm sitting there waiting for him. And in my manual, a good husband follows through and does what he says so that I could feel important. Not to mention that I need him to comment about how amazing my dinner is so that I can feel like I'm a good wife. See how I'm constantly giving him responsibility of how he needs to act so that I can feel okay? because he was going to hurt my feelings. Even talking about it just feels like yuck all over me. I like want to shake it off because I remember how deep I was in emotional childhood and how much I had a death grip on that manual of what it should look like. But it didn't work. What it did do was put a wedge between us because I kept trying to desperately make him love me and show me that I'm lovable. But then, years later in therapy, I realized that I was not loving him because I love him, and that's who I wanted to be. I was loving him because I needed him to love me back. And that's not a connected, vulnerable relationship. He deserved to have a wife who loved him. And I deserved to be able to be myself and not be so worried. And it has taken years of practice for me to get to that place where I can give and receive love without it needing to look a certain way. Now, this doesn't mean that if you're in a connected relationship, you don't have desires for what you want the other person to do. But it means that you make requests and invitations and you share with each other. And you can do that because you have that love for yourself already from within. You're not dependent on the other person. It's not another person's behavior that creates your thoughts and your feelings. It's your own thoughts about the other person's behavior. Your relationship with someone is just made up of your thoughts about them and their relationship with you is their thoughts about you. An example in my life where this was really tangible for me was my relationship with my dad. 
I had a lot of drama in my childhood about how a dad should show up reliable and dependable and I should be able to turn to my dad for advice and he should be the protector and the provider for his little girl. And I didn't have that relationship with my dad as a kid. And as I grew up and learned how to tell my story and how I was affected, I handed my dad a huge manual and said, dad, you didn't show up for me before. Here's how you have to show up for me now. And guess what he did? He kept being himself. And I was so mad that he didn't show up when I finally learned how to articulate what my needs were about how I needed him to be in my life. I remember telling him, Dad, I felt a lot of my life like when you give me gifts, it's about you, that you give me a gift so that you can feel cool about whatever gift that you gave me. And I don't feel loved when you show up that way. So from now on, I want you to give me a gift receipt with your gift so that I can know that you don't care if I return it or not. Your focus is on giving me something that I will like. Now, first off, I feel completely sheepish sharing that with you because I can see the total immaturity, the selfishness, the emotional childhood all over that. But in that moment, I felt like if my dad showed up this way, then I can feel like he loves me. And I resented for a long time when it didn't happen that way. But I hadn't made a request. I had made a demand. And nobody likes to be told what to do. Yes, it would have felt positive for me if he had listened. But it also would have re-emphasized the message that I needed him to show up a certain way. I have since grown into my self-love and found reliable support from within. So I don't need my dad to show up a certain way anymore. And I actually consider my dad one of my biggest cheerleaders now. And I have never had space to recognize how valuable that is for me. He may have struggled to show up and honestly still struggles to show up in some of the ways that I hoped and dreamed he would as a father. But because I'm willing to allow him to be himself and choose how I want a relationship to be with him as himself, I have space to see the good that is there. And I actually have love for my dad that I didn't realize was there. When we try to demand love, we drain it. Don't take love. Generate it. Give it. Invite it. Share it. If you want love to grow, create it. Don't hand someone a manual to tell them how they need to create it for you. Now I hear you if you are one of the people right now who are saying, but Stephanie, what about boundaries? What about enabling people in their bad behavior? You can't just go around telling everybody they can do whatever the heck they want and have no consequences. This is not what I'm saying here, and we don't have to complicate it. All I'm saying is shift from expecting and controlling to inviting and requesting because it will be so much more freeing for you to not have to depend on what they do to be okay. Healthy boundaries aren't about controlling them anyway. The boundaries that really work and truly create safety for you are focused on your actions, on what you will do for yourself 
when you feel unsafe. Useful boundaries also come from a place of love, not resistance or control. Now, I'm not going to go into that in detail because I already have an episode on how to create useful boundaries. You can check out episode 12 if you want to learn more there. But my invitation to you today is to find where you can shift from a controlling manual-based mindset to a more loving and inviting mindset in the relationships that you have. Those moments where you feel tension with your child or your spouse or your friend, get curious. Ask yourself, do I have a manual here where I'm expecting them to show up a certain way for me to feel okay? That curiosity will help you drop your manual, love them where they're at, and shift to a more inviting and connecting relationship. Remember, you are in charge of you, your feelings, your thoughts, your actions, and they are in charge of them. Stop trying to change the world. It's time for us to put down our manuals and see the goodness that is already in people. The goodness in my sister-in-law who chose to watch my child for a full week so that I could go on a trip with my husband. I was so grateful for her. Even though she fed my child things that I probably wouldn't have chosen. And it took a few weeks for me to get him back into his nap schedule. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Because a relationship includes two human people trying their best to navigate this crazy world and all the feelings that come with it. Let's simplify that a little by dropping our manuals, finding our own stability, and inviting people to move forward in love and connection and joy. Go rewrite your relationships, my friend. Amazing things will happen therapy can be simple. Come learn how to think light, feel light, and live light at thelightcoach.com. I offer five free discovery sessions each week, and one of them is for you. Together, let's discover the joy that's possible in life after therapy.